Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 8, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 44, paragraph 4, If a Mere Code of Morals. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Janice B., Twelve Traditions, Kathy W., Reading the Text, Helena R., Marcella M., and Sylvia F. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, April 7, 2014, 6148. 6148. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA for those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., recovered compulsive overeater in Florida today. Um, One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Past. Thank you. I will now ask Kathy W. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Kathy W. from Manitoba, Canada. One, our common welfare should come first. 
Personal recovery depends on away unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public's relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all, of all our traditions, ever reminding us to praise principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by, by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our reading of the big book on page 44, paragraph 4, If a Mere Code of Morals. I will ask Helena R. to begin reading. This is Helena in New Jersey. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism that many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might. But the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. I just have a few comments on this. Um, I'm looking at the fact that, once again, the big book is saying over and over and over that we are unable to stop on our own willpower. We are unable to stop with anything except for a spiritual solution. 
and most of, for most of us, that spiritual solution is shown in the 12 steps. And the whole point of the 12 steps in the big book is to help us to find a power greater than ourselves. And here we go again. If a mere code or better philosophy of life were sufficient, many of us would have recovered long ago. I thought that I had more than a mere code of morals, more than a better philosophy of life. I had a relationship to God. I had a belief in a power greater than myself that I've had since childhood, but it was not sufficient. And I kept clinging to it. I kept going back over and over to trying the same things over and over, marshalling my will. You know, I'm not going to do this again. I am now going to learn some more about it. I'm going to, whatever it was. I'm reminded so much of page 62, where we were uh, told in how it works that it is selfishness and self-centeredness, that it's the root of our trouble. And then it says at the end of that paragraph, we could not reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Um, And it is very true that I would never have come into these rooms if what I already had was sufficient. And I thought that what I had should be sufficient and kept trying over and over until finally I came to my knees and came to understand that it was all my own strength I was trying on. Even when I was praying to the God that I believed in at that time, it was still my own strength and I was instructing God how things should happen. I was still clinging to self-centeredness. Pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Larry. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning. Thanks so much. Uh, This is Larry, recovered uh, compulsive leader from Chicago. Um, So, you know, it it talks about this, this mere code of morals, you know, dealing with morality. And, you know, when I think of morality, you know, it's, it's like the, the quality of being, um, you know, aligned or in accord with, with standards of right or wrong, you know, good or bad conduct, you know, kind of a conformity to these, different, to these standards that we have in society. And, you know, if that were enough for me to tame this disease, you know, there simply would, you know, there wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have been in this program at all. You know, I thought that I I came here with some morals. I mean, you know, there's, you know, with with exemplary conduct, intellect, you know, that that would be enough, you know, to somehow gain control of this devastating insanity associated with our illness. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's, you know, like me, there 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 are any number of of people on the line this morning who, you know, despite being of good moral conduct, who you know, conduct themselves in a in an ethical fashion. Um, you know, maybe you're you're you know you're firmly grounded and you know you have philosophies of love and family connection and hard work and all these things. And yet, you know, you may be on the line and, and you're dying a slow death as I was. You know, marching. You know, mar- I was marching towards my grave with a spoon, a knife, and a fork in my hand, like leading the band. You know, and and, and it's not fair, frankly. It didn't feel fair to me. You know, we, we've learned all too well that, that such codes and philosophies did not save us. No matter how much we tried, you know, we lacked the power. And lacking the power, 
you know, we're, we're most of us, if you're an al- if you have an alcoholic mind of the variety that I do, you know, we're doomed, lacking power. So no matter how hard, you know, we try, you know, it's like if, if our car has no ga- uh, gasoline, <clears throat> you know, you're, you ain't going anywhere. You know, you lack, you lack sufficient power. So lack of power, is, is, is I'm reminded, that was our dilemma. The only power I had was the power to choose to surrender. That's what I learned. And so, you know, it's, it's very awe-inspiring to, to, for me to recognize that it was through weakness, um, through my insufficiency as a, as a human being, that God was to fill me with strength. And my higher power was going to deconstruct my ego, tear it down through the use of these steps and rebuild upon, you know, a, a sort of a God-centered foundation, you know, this bedrock, this spiritual awakening. And once that happened, that hole in our soul that we used to fill with, you know, ding-dongs and donuts and all other nonsense is now filled with the spirit of, a, of my loving creator. You know, and thank God for this design for living because it, it does work. It works. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Elaine? Hi, good morning, Elaine. Good morning. Um, This is Elaine, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. This, uh, (laughs) This paragraph, the fact that, you know, marshaled by the will, I completely utterly failed. I could wish to be moral. I could wish to be, you know, philosophically comfortable, comforted. Um, We could will these things with all our might. This paragraph so speaks to my pride and my ego and the smashing of both where I had to, you know, utterly confess that I could not do this on my own. Even after nine years in in OA, where I did have surrender, I did have some things, but I walked out of the rooms one day saying, I can figure this out. You know, me and God, me and God, we can do this. And I was humbled. I was humbled once again by the food, by my lack of power, by my insufficiency, by my, you know, the fact that I had a strong religious faith, a strong connection with God, but yet there's something missing. It was, it was insufficient. And what I realized was that I was still trusting and relying on myself. I was still not fully surrendering to God. I was still thinking I could do it on my own. I remember um, when I, I can't remember if I was 18 or 21, my father took me out to dinner huh, for my birthday. And he said, you know, I, I raised you to be uh, independent. And I think I did too good of a job. And even today, that character defect of fierce independence, um, you know, it, it, I have to be so careful not to pick it up and try to do it on my own, not to figure it out in my own head, but to keep turning to my higher power and not just that, this book of instructions and what it tells me to do is go out and ask for help from others because fiercely independent doesn't work in a we program. 
fiercely independent got me right back out there and in in like eight months my blood sugar was tested three months after I was absent again no sugar and she said you're borderline diabetic and you need to be tested again um, in another three months to make sure your sugar really has evened out and uh, how quickly can I bring myself to the grave when I trust and rely on myself? Self-sufficiency completely failed. I failed utterly. And I thank God that um, as I crawled back into the room that was given the phone number for a vision for you and have found a new level of willingness and surrender that's been sufficient to bring about recovery. And um, thank you for pulling this uh, this program apart, but also creating a network and a fellowship where we can arm-in-arm walk this, uh, trudge this road of happy destiny together. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Barbara. I heard Barbara, and then I heard Janice. Yes. Oh, great. Thank you. I heard Barbara, then Janice M. Thank you. Thank you. This is Barbara, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And I'm very glad to be reminded by this paragraph of all the years that I felt if I just had another good course, if I had another course in theology, another course in behavioral psychology, another book, the right book, the right counselor, the right religious advisor, then I won't go back to binging and turning to food constantly to deal with my life. And, of course, when I was doing that and going back to food to deal with my life, when it was my God, my higher power, how could I be moral? There was no way that I could be honest, loving, giving, unselfish, all the the elements of a moral code of what I wanted to be, wished to be, willed to be. In the face of this disease... They, they they were nothing. There was no power within me, within any of the resources that I went to, any of the sources that I called upon that could bring it about. The only thing that could bring it about was the 12 steps which lead me to God, and then it's possible. Then my will can be turned to God's will, and I, and I feel in the course of a day that all of these things are possible and happening. So I thank God for it, and I pass. Thank you. Janice M. Yes. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I love the way Bill writes. You know, in the very first paragraph, he 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 asks us, are we alcoholic? You know, he distinguishes. We distinguish between the non-alcoholic and the and the alcoholic, or compulsive overeater, non-compulsive overeater. Okay, so if we decide, if we make that conclusion that we are, it says that the only uh, spiritual experience will conquer this. Now it comes down to this paragraph. They're, they're given their experience. They're saying many of us, you know, thought the same thing. We thought that, geez, if I knew the truth and I had some good philosophical ideas, we thought we could recover. But could they? No, they couldn't recover just on that. Because, see, they really didn't know, like I didn't know, about the obsession of the mind. That morals can't recover my obsession of the mind. It's impossible. 
you know, because that's, I can't stop on my own. The obsession of the mind has to be healed. Again, they repeat it by a spiritual awakening. That's the only solution. It's not how good I am or how many times I asked, told, you know, sent my higher power on errands to do what I wanted to do. You know, all human resources failed. So now we know who we are. Now we know what the solution is. And then uh, and with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Anyone else this morning on this paragraph? This is Rebecca. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. What comes to my mind is when I realized that this wasn't a moral issue for me. This is a disease. Just like any other disease, um, I can't cure it myself. And in this case, the unique thing about the disease is that uh, my higher power can um, relieve me, you know, arrest this disease. But I'm not a bad person. I'm just a human being who has an illness. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Well, then I will ask Marcella M. to please read the next paragraph on page 45, Lack of Power. <laughs> Marcella, compulsive overeater recovery. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. I'm so grateful that I had the privilege to read this paragraph of all the books, this paragraph that I'm, I'm, I'm chosen to. Um, share it with you. So, lack of power. Do you know how many times I made a solemn decision to follow my diet? I was completely convinced that this time I meant business, and I stick to my guns, and I went to the gym, and I ate nothing but on my what was written in my diet, and I did beautifully on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then on Thursday I said, oh. I guess I can eat a little now, and off I go again. So even though I had the power to understand that I needed to stop, I didn't have the power to tell my brain to connect to my arm, to connect to my feet, to avoid walking into the bakery. And that, to me, baffled me, because in the rest of my life, I do have the power to function. I still do. But my disease progressed and progressed and progressed and progressed. And I'm the kind of compulsive overeater addict that lost first relationships, then activities. And then at the very, very end, I lost the attachment to life. I didn't want to live anymore. And that's how I walked into this program with a very detailed power to kill myself. 
and a very detailed plan. What did I find in in the meetings and in this program? I found something that was greater than me. Let's suppose without saying that you're that kind of addict that don't believe in God. Well, you walk into a vision for you, and this morning we're like, I don't know how many were. We were always like 200 or something. Where 200 people are definitely a power greater than just one individual. And that is enough to make a beginning. And I wish I had a visual, which I have, by the way. I don't know if you have ever tried to teach to swim, tried to teach somebody to swim. Um, Last summer, I was trying to teach a little girl how to swim. She was scared of the water, and she was slapping her feet on her hands. And the more that she slapped, the more that she sank, because she was afraid of the water. And what did I tell her? Let go, Anna, let go, let go, let go, relax, I have you, I got you to relax, relax. Finally, who knows why, she was able to completely let go and relax. And what happened? The water held her up. That's exactly what happens here. If you're struggling with food, if you ate yesterday, if you're eating while listening to me, let go and trust. There is a power <clears throat> greater than the food that you're eating, greater than all of us together who are gathered this morning. And that power will not only help you to make it possible to put the food down, but will fill your body with contentment, will take the cravings away, and will entitle you to help another person. And that is an offer that you cannot refuse. I am the kind of person that looks around and every single thing, person, object, relationship, and material blessing that has been granted in my life was given to me by this program. And when I came here, I didn't have the power, I didn't have the will to it because nothing made sense. Nothing made sense at all. No philosophy, no religion, no psychology, no yoga practice. No job, no husband, no nothing makes sense anymore. And now my life is turned around in such a way that everything makes sense all the time. And if the only thing that I do in my life is dial in the morning a vision for you and have the chance to share with you or listen to the recording later and connect in the phone list with somebody and read together the big book, and I don't do anything else with my life, my life will be a remarkable success. Because history of addiction is old. It's old. It's recorded in very ancient texts. We read in Torah that Noah, he rushed to plant a vineyard to get drunk right after the flood. But the history of recovery is brand new. It's not even 100 years old. This has never happened in the history of humankind. And if you're listening to me, you're part of it. We're pioneers in a remarkable turning point in the evolution of humankind. And welcome and just join us and keep coming back because nothing has ever worked like the power greater than ourselves that you can find through the process that is described in this book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who would like to comment on what was read? Kim Lorna from Pittsburgh. 
Hi, Kim. And then Leah. Lauren. And then Leah. Kim D, Lauren S, and Leah M. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It's very rare, and this is not one of the times, that I read this paragraph and don't get teary because this was my key to freedom. You know, lack of power, that was my dilemma. And that one word, which is a whole entire sentence, obviously. Well, you know, I have to say, you know, when I come into most OA meetings, we read the first couple pages of how it works. And when we talk to newcomers, a lot of times what we do is we start them in chapter five, how it works. And we're making a decision in step three. And what are we making that decision on? I, I don't even know what I was making a decision on. Lack of power was my dilemma. Look at all the rich information we've gotten up to this point. You know, we've done the doctor's opinion. It's told us the true nature of our illness. We've learned that we have a very specific diagnosis. We have an allergy of the body that will never change, that once we ingest certain substances, we will no longer be able to reasonably predict how much we're going to have. Even if once in a while we can control it, we can never reasonably predict it. And we have this obsession of the mind that regardless of how long we've been abstinent, we have a mind that's going to convince us that we're going to eat again. And then we see Bill's story. Bill's story shows us that, that beautiful description of his descent into madness. I mean, how many times did we read in Bill's story, he had arrived, the goose hung high, things went well for a while, and then fear sobered me for a bit. And then he goes off again. And then we get into there as a solution, and we're taught about the difference between the moderate eater, the heavy eater, and the compulsive overeater. Because we have to know that. If we are the moderate eater, if we are the heavy eater, we may not need to do these steps. But if we are the true compulsive overeater, we're going to be forced to do these steps. And that leads us into more about alcoholism. And more about alcoholism tells us the true nature of our illness, the reason I need to come to Overeaters Anonymous. It's not because of the allergy of the body. That's a bad problem. I come to Overeaters Anonymous because of more about alcoholism teaches me why abstinence is not the answer. And unfortunately, for many years in Overeaters Anonymous, I thought that abstinence was the answer and wondered why that brought me to restless, irritable, and discontent. I am taught in that chapter through four examples that being sober is not enough. And being sober is so uncomfortable and so difficult because if you've been told that abstinence makes you feel better, if you've been told that nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels, I have to tell you my experience is that abstinence sucks. Abstinence in and of itself sucks until you have a spiritual awakening. And then abstinence is a natural byproduct of that spiritual awakening. So this sentence, lack of power was my dilemma. I could not understand that or comprehend that, and it wouldn't have brought me to tears if someone had simply opened this book to page 45 before I understood all this information, before I came to the conclusion that I was powerless, before I'm starting to understand I need a power, before I'm beginning to understand that I'm beyond human aid. And that's why I love that paragraph, obviously, because it's only obvious because of all the teaching that I have received up to page 45. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Lauren S. Okay. Lauren S., 
a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. I just love, I just don't know what to say. I just am so filled with, I just feel so full of the spirit this morning, guys. Okay. So, again, there, there is one more paragraph for step one, looking at the unmanageability of our spirit, the third part of our disease. That's the bedevilment. Um, Those are the two paragraphs on page 52, paragraphs two and three, the bedevilments. But this, but um, uh, not talking about that paragraph, this paragraph we just read on 45 is the final paragraph, with exception to the one on the two on 52, of step one. So. Oh, my gosh. I mean, if you're going through this book thoroughly, um, Doctor's Opinion to page 45. So that's, that's, that's 53 pages. If you've, if you've been through this thoroughly, completely abstinent, then by the time you get to this paragraph, you're like, obvious. It's obvious I need a power greater than myself because you will have a thorough step one. It's going to be in your heart. And you're going to say, oh, my gosh, step one has been crazy. I've been abstinent. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to live on this world. I'm afraid to do anything because my own power, my own best thinking leads me to insanity. I need a power. And if you are atheist or agnostic, this is just saying This is not about religion. This is not about God. We're at step one. This is about my power. Lauren's best power led her to insanity. So there has to be a power greater than myself. There has to be something. Because if there is not a power greater than Lauren, I am doomed. Because my best power led me to death. So there has to be something greater. There has to be. There has to be a greater power. It, it's, it doesn't have to be God. It doesn't have to be religious. There, it just has to be something. Um, okay, thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Leah M.? Hi, Melanie. Thank you very much for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Lack of power, that was my dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live. Um, You know, the big book here is is, is saying more to me than um, just restoring me to sanity by, you know, lifting the obsession. Um, It's saying that I need a power by which I I can live. (laughs) It's recommending that I get a power in my life um, to free me, yes, from the bottle if I'm an alcoholic, but it's also arguing the need for me to stop living by self-propulsion and start living by a power's intention for me. You know, lack of power, that was my dilemma. I had to find a power by which I could live. <laughs> live, because life managed by me was unmanageable, and I saw the lie that I had lived 
you know, I saw the lie I had lived, that I was the power, that I could rely on my own efforts, that I could rely on my own knowledge, that I could rely on my good intentions, that I could rely on any intelligence that I could summon up, that I could rely on any willpower that I could muster up, you know, that, that I could achieve what I want, uh, even, even to have my own uh, recovery from this addiction, and that was not true. You know, my disease had done its job. It was beating me to a pulp. My life was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. I had been relying on my own power, and I saw at a new level, after being badly mangled, that I was powerless without the intervention of grace. I had to find a power greater than myself, it says, obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? Well, you'll notice it's very interesting. We're on page 45 now, and we're not going to, the big book's not going to talk about alcohol anymore. We're through talking about alcohol. The big book is now going to start talking about pursuing that power, seeking that power for those of us that are powerless. At least (laughs) I am. I identify with that statement. How do I find that power? Well, that's the whole purpose of this book. Because we are the only people in the world who have a twofold illness that only can be overcome by a spiritual experience. You know, we're the only people, an addict like me, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, check both of those off. I have a terminal illness, but the big book is going to teach me and taught me that I can come out of this illness in better shape than when I went into it if I have a spiritual experience. What makes that possible is a spiritual awakening with a power greater than myself. So there is a solution for someone like me. There is a way in which I can live. That's the greater uh, problem in my life. You know, my basic problem is less the bakery box and more that my selfishness and self-seeking, my self-centered ways that have closed the channel to a power greater than myself. That's really the ticket here. It's not by which I could be abstinent, by which I could live. This is about living without having to compulsively overeat. It might look like it's about not compulsively overeating, but this is not about merely not compulsively overeating. This is about how, how does a person live without needing to compulsively overeat to stand it. (laughs) So the solution for me is to have the relationship with the spirit, which is going to remove my problem. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella. Absolutely. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. Lack of power, my big, big ego. I didn't want to give in my ego, and the truth is that I didn't understand what means to give in, and this was my dilemma. You know, I didn't want to separate from my ego. It means that I have to give in my smartness. It means that I have to give in my, my talents that I have. 
oh no, 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 I don't want to to give them away. So this was my dilemma. Yes, I don't want to live without my smartness, without my qualities. But my life wasn't to live. I still was jealous and with fear, with anger, with blame, because I still was connected very much with my ego, with my selfishness, with my self-centered. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I came to the program and I know what means to find a power by which we could live. What means this power? I am so happy and I am so thankful to be connected to God. God for me is not anymore a punishing, a punishing God. I am not anymore a robot by giving up my ego. Not anymore. I am connected to a loving father. I am connected to a respectful father. I am connected to, to, to God that really cares for me. And yes, I am, I, I, I give in. I let, I let go my ego. Now, what does it mean? It means that I am living like a robot, that I am doing only what God wants for me. Yes, I am here as a messenger. I am here to do God's will for me and not mine. But I am not a robot. I have the power to choose, to do, to choose, to do the right choice one day at a time. And I can do the right choice by accepting my limitation, by accepting that I don't know everything and I am, I am allowed to do a mistake. Now I know that my choice is to learn from those mistakes. And it's okay. I did a mistake. I can try next time to choose a better choice for me. And I, I am so thankful that I am connected to God. And now I know God for me is a power of love, a power of acceptance, a power of, of support and safe. A, 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 by me connected to God is to live in freedom. And this is, and now, only by my connection to God, I can live in freedom, in peaceful. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Paula. May I comment? I hear Janice, and then I hear Paula. Anyone else? Sarah. And Sarah. So Janice, Paula, and Sarah. Thank you. And thank you. Very briefly, um, I think it's so important for me to know that my self-sufficient ways did not work. And it and, and not only worked with the food, it didn't work with my coping skills the way I lived. I couldn't cope. I couldn't cope with life. This is why I need a power that I could live by because my, old, my only coping skills as I grew up was food. That was my only coping mechanism 
because I needed the ease and the comfort. And and this is what it's trying to say to me, is that I tried every method to control. There was no power. I lacked the power to cope. Therefore, I need another power. Where am I going to get that power? And how how is it going to come into my life? And that's what it is, like it was mentioned, by which we could live. How could I live with rage, with anger, with resentment, with all those things? Well, the way I used to cope was the solution was my food, was the food. Now that power in my life that we're going to seek, that's going to come to us, is going to enable me one day at a time how to live with those resentments, with calamities in my life. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Paula D. Thank you, Melanie. This would be Paula D., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Well, there's quite a small paragraph, but this is a turning point here. It starts with the dilemma. That was the dilemma. That's what I lived in, dilemma. How do you live in that? I don't want to do this, and I did it. I want to do this, and I couldn't. They had the dilemma. But then, the end of the paragraph, two things. There's one word, one word that is a sentence, and that word is obviously. One word, obviously. And then it ends with a question. This is the paragraph that starts with a dilemma and ends with the question. But where and how were we to find this power? And I had to seek it out with everything within me. But obviously, I had to realize I needed this power to live. And today, I do. Thank you again for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Sarah W. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, to you. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. My name is Sarah. W and I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to uh, bring us back to Bill's story, which um, so succinctly talks about, uh, you know, when Ebby had come to him, and Ebby uh, said on page 11, um, he said, "Well, actually, Bill's saying, but my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed." Uh, doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. And 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 then he had admitted complete defeat. So there's, you know, Bill's sponsor. And, and he's saying that this is what had happened to him. And then he says he had been raised up by, from the dead, taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than he had ever known. And then I just wanted to uh, also include um, on page 14 in Bill's story, uh, which I'm reading with a sponsee now, and I think that's why it's you know coming so forefront for me. It says, but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. And then it says these are revolutionary and drastic proposals. And I just wanted to bring that up because, um, you know, if lack of power is my dilemma, 
I have to look for some power somewhere. And obviously my own self-will and self-knowledge wasn't enough. And I think that's where we, you know, come in with that gift of desperation. We realize that. We realize that we are not capable of fixing this situation. But we do have to concede. We have to take on that belief that we are really compulsive overeaters. You know, just hearing the words, Overeaters Anonymous, those two words, that's a huge thing. Overeater. I'm an overeater. I have a a disease that affects the way I look at food, the way I think about food, and I cannot control that. And I have to get to that point where I believe that in the depths of my soul, that that is not going to change no matter what I do. And so that's where that power comes in. And I'm grateful for that knowledge today. And I hope I don't get it in my head that somehow I can control it again because that's where I ended up in relapse. So I'm very grateful for this program, grateful for all of you, and with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Sally. Oh, hi. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Melanie. It's Sally Recovered in South Jersey. Uh, I guess I just wanted to say that it's interesting that this uh, we've begun this uh, chapter and that each of these uh, paragraphs end with the spiritual experience will conquer. In the next paragraph it says uh, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis. It's like they're preparing us. The next paragraph it says that after a while we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life And then it comes down to this paragraph, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered. Every time we see this code of morals, it means what we do, philosophies, better philosophies at the bottom of the page, what how we think, the top of the page 45, would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes, what we do, and philosophies, how we thought, did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral, what we do. We could wish to be philosophically comforted, how we think, over and over. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. And this reminds me of my years in OA, what I did, focusing on what I did, and brain flushing myself by going to meetings. It just wasn't going to be enough. It's not about what we do. It's not about how we thought. Our human resources as marshals by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. And then lack of power, that was our dilemma. And so we've been set up in these two pages. We're being set up to take a look at where is the real solution. It's not about what we do, our moral codes, and it's not about how we think, our philosophies. Thanks for letting me share that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Well, this is Melanie C., and I would like to share just this is hello. Hi, good morning, Patricia. It's your turn. Oh, thank you. Um, I just wanted to share about when I got to this chapter, because I had a faith, I had a faith, and when I got to this chapter, and it says, you know, how could I find this power? And I'm like, what in the world could be bigger than what I got? I don't understand. I mean, I was so confused within my own self because I, I knew I had a disease. I knew I prayed my heart out for years for God to take this. And I begged and I 
went on diets and I did all this stuff. And, and, you know, where could I find something bigger than my God that created the earth? You know, so it, this was really, and then, you know, and then Bill's story where it talks about, you know, find your own conception. And that's what I needed to do. I, find, I had to find that relationship, you know, and that's what the book is going to talk about. But I just wanted to share that because I remember being here and I was so confused because what could be bigger than God, you know? Anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to read? I'm sorry. Would anyone else like to share what was read? Hi, this is Tracy. I'm a compulsive reader. Tracy, go ahead. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, I really like how it talks about we had to find a power by which we could live because um, I have found that my will uh, has been what I've wanted to do and what I've wanted. And, you know, for me in this program, this higher power has been various things. And, you know, I'm growing in my spiritual awakening, but letting somebody else tell me what to do has been the thing that I need in this program. I need to humble myself and do what I'm told. That's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Tracy. Who else would like to comment before we wrap up this morning? To G. Ah. This is Debbie from South Jersey, from uh, Florida. I'd like to please. I heard Suji, and I think that's all the time we'll have today, Debbie, in case it's short, and then I'll keep you on the line there. Thank you. Suji? I, I just wanted to add this little piece that is a perspective I think we get in recovery, that um, the surrender is a replacement of the surrender that we've already made, and that's where we're stuck. We've surrendered our entire life to food when we're living by our addiction. And we need something drastic, some kind of divine inspiration to get out of that mess. That that without that, without acceptance of an alternative, we are powerless over everything. When we accept the alternative, we begin to have some power to live our lives in a way that we're meant to live them instead of the way that we've been snuffing out the the uh, last breath with food. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sue. And Debbie, we do have about two minutes if you would like to share. Well, thank you very much. Um, I am working my way out of a long relapse and so grateful for a vision for you because it's, it's a help to me. I was raised with the concept that I can do anything I put my mind to. I'm in my 70s and I can still hear my parents saying, Debbie, you can do anything you can put, you can put your mind to. And it's, it's difficult to let myself reject and understand that when it comes to an addiction, which I, I know I have, um, I can't do anything I put my mind to except perhaps to accept the fact that my higher power, who's always been with me, is in control, not Debbie. And uh, I'm, I'm learning to just let go and let God. Thank you, everyone, and I pass.
Thank you, Debbie. And thank you to everyone who has shared. It is time to close our meeting. And we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sylvia F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is uh, Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.